0: Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com Just to start by sharing a film I watched a couple of years ago, I think it's probably one of the best films I've ever seen. It's called Hackshaw Ridge. Anyone ever seen Hacksaw Ridge? Few people have seen Hacksaw Ridge. For those of you who haven't seen it, it's, it's based on a, a true story of a guy called Desmond Doss, who was a 25 year old guy, American guy, who joined the American army in the Second World War. And um, he joined the army. Uh, the thing about Desmond Doss was he was a Christian. He wasn't just a Christian, he was a pacifist. So he didn't believe in fighting and killing. Yet he joined the army. So in basic training, when the moment came when they were going to hand him a gun and teach him how to use it, he says, no, I'm not going to hold one of those. And they're like, why not? He says, well, I'm not going to shoot a gun. I don't believe in that. And they're like, well, what are you doing in the army? He says, well, not. I believe in what we're doing, but I'm not going to fire a gun. So basically, the army wasn't quite sure what to do with Desmond Doss. You've got this guy who wants to join the army but won't shoot a gun. Now, what happened was all his fellow soldiers in his, in his unit got really angry with him, and they persecuted them, they punched him, they spat him, they kicked him, because they didn't want to go to war with a guy who refused to hold a gun, who was not going to fight alongside them. Now, the army weren't quite sure what to do with Desmond Doss, so what they did was, they're like, well, we can't kick him out of the army, he won't hold a gun, so they made him a medic. And they sent him to war as a medic, someone who didn't have to shoot. So they sent him and his unit to Okinawa, a Japanese island. And their their mission was to take this ridge called Hacksaw Ridge. And basically what it was, there was this 70-foot high ridge with ropes going up it. And the task their unit had to do was to, to climb up this ridge to the top and charge all the enemy positions. All the Japanese were dug in with machine guns. So his unit, they climb up the ridge right to the top, and they charge at the Japanese, but, um, well, they're driven back. Lots of them are killed, the Japanese fire their weapons, and the order is eventually given to fall back. So all the remaining soldiers, who haven't been killed or injured, run back to the ridge and start climbing down the ropes. But Desmond Doss doesn't fall back he actually is running back and one of his friends is shot and he kneels down and he holds his friend in his arms and his friend dies in his arms, breathes his last breath. And while his fr- with his friend in his arms, who's just died, Desmond Doss, like he looks up and he prays, he prays, God, what is it you want of me right now? And then he says, Lord, Lord, I- I just don't understand. And then he prays again and says, Lord, I can't hear you right now. And just as he prays that prayer, a soldier in the distance, an injured American soldier in the distance, shouts out, medic, I need a medic. So he looks back up and he goes, okay, Lord, I hear you. So he listens for the sound and he, and he crawls along no man's land with you know, enemy fire all over his head and he finds this soldier who's calling for a medic. He patches him up and he drags him along no man's land through all the other dead bodies till he gets to the edge of the ridge. He ties a rope around his waist and he lowers this guy down the 70 foot ridge. Now I don't know if you ever lowered a grown man with a rope <laughs> using just your hands, but it tore his hands to pieces, okay, lowers him down. When he lowers the guy to the bottom and the American ambulances put him in the ambulance and bring him to hospital, he prays, Lord, help me get one more. And he crawls back out into no man's land, gets another injured American soldier. Now by this stage, the Japanese soldiers are going around killing all the injured American soldiers. So he is literally saving these guys' lives. He patches this guy up. He brings him back to the ridge. Again, same rope. He lowers the guy down on the rope. And when the guy's lowered to the bottom, guess what he prays? Lord, help me get one more. And he crawls back out, and he finds another injured. And basically, cut a long story short, he does this all night. So much so that actually the local American field hospital can't figure out where all these American soldiers are coming from. Where are they coming from? They where, where, where keep arriving all night. By the end of the night, he was so exhausted. he had, they had to go up and bring him down, and he, was, you know, he almost died. By the end of the night, he'd saved 75 American soldiers' lives. And these were the same guys who'd punched him and beat him and spat at him because he wouldn't hold a weapon. And one of the things I love about Desmond Doss is just how quickly he goes to prayer when he gets into difficulty in life. First thought, soldiers died. Lord, what do I do? But I also love the way God answers those prayers in a really dramatic way, like a really tangible way, easy to measure way. Lord, help me get one more. And the Lord helps him get one more. Lord, help me get another one more. And the Lord helps him get another more. And that's what I want us to talk about this morning. I want us to talk about the topic of guess. Prayer, yes. Prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. Love a bit of audience participation. You just weren't ready for that, I know. I'll prep you a bit better in the future. Yeah, we're going to talk about prayer this morning. And we're going, to, we're going to look at the last eight verses in the book of James. As Anna said, you've been going through that over the last few weeks. And the last eight verses are mostly all about prayer. Now, I don't know if you noticed, as you've been going through the book of James... But James has quite a lot to say on the topic of prayer in his letter. Not just in this passage, but in lots of the other bits of the letter as well. And it's brilliant stuff that he has to say about about prayer. So this morning, I'm not just going to focus on this passage. I will, but I also kind of want to bring together all that James has to say about prayer in this letter. So hopefully, by the end of this morning you will have like almost like a how to pray guide according to James. Or actually, I mean, a better way of putting it actually is probably, do you remember in the days of CDs? Anybody remember CDs when those were a thing? Do you remember you used to get the compilation CD? Like the greatest hits of like, I don't know, Ronan Keating or something like that. You know, you'd get the greatest. This is kind of like that. This is like the greatest hits of James on prayer. So hopefully you will have that by the end of this morning. But Before we get into the rest of James, let's look at the passage we're going to look at this morning. It's James chapter 5, verse 13 to 20. So I'll just read it now. You can follow along. It'll appear on the screen behind me as well. James says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. in James' letter to the believers he was writing to. And he uses it, amongst other things, but he uses it mainly to encourage them to do what? Pray. To pray, yeah, it's mostly prayer. That's the response answer today, yeah. He uses them to pray. So basically, there's two big things I'd love us to take away this morning from James' teaching on prayer. The first one is that prayer is a way of life. And the second one is that prayer, I mean, I'll explain this, but that prayer is kind of a bit mysterious at times. You know, it's not just an equation. I do this plus this, yeah, I will get this. You know, there's there's a bit more to it than that. There's a there's a mystery to it. I'll talk about that later. But let's start with the first thing I want us to talk about. That prayer is a way of life. Now, I have uh you kids have got one-year-old, three-year-old, six-year-old, and when we pray before, when we have meals, one of the things we do is we always pray before our meals. Now, our kids have got so used to the fact that we pray, now, they're very short prayers, okay, not big, long, holy prayers, very short prayers, but our kids are so used to the fact that we pray, if we ever forget to pray, halfway through the meal, one of the kids will be like, Daddy! you forgot to pray and i was like okay right well, it's not you know it's not a big crisis no you must pray you must pray so that we can eat the rest of our food i was like okay right okay we'll we'll pray let's 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 pray it's fine it's it's but it's an interesting thing that that it's become a habit it's become a simple habit that we've developed praying before meals but what that's meant is that prayer at the dinner table in our house has become it's become a way of life And James here is encouraging these believers to also develop prayer as a way of life, not just around the dinner table, but all of the time. I mean, just look at verse 13. James says, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise, which is basically prayer in song form. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So James is basically saying Pray in every situation. Pray wherever you are. You can offer up those little arrow prayers wherever you are. Whatever is going on, pray. Now, I think for most of us here, when we hit a problem in life, or it could be something to do with work, or relationship, or family, or whatever, when we hit a problem in life, we generally will, I mean... I think we generally do turn to prayer. Eventually, probably what most of us do is we try and fix ourselves, and if we can't, then we turn to prayer. But generally, bad things happen. We will eventually turn to prayer when tough times come. But I think what turns prayer into a way of life is when we develop the habit of not just praying when we're in trouble or something's gone wrong, but when we develop the habit of praying when nothing's going wrong, when we develop the habit of praying when we're happy, when life is great, when we develop the habit of praying in those times, that's when it becomes a way of life, praying prayers of gratitude when things are going great. I remember when I was a kid, I used to go to this kids club at my church. I think it was for like five to ten-year-olds, And there'd be some singing, and there'd be like a story. And then they'd do, and I don't know if this is a Northern Irish thing, but they'd get us, say, right, it's prayer time. We're all going to pray. And basically, they would just wait until kids would pray prayers in front of everyone. A bit like here on a Sunday, people pray out in front of everyone. And what always happened was, I mean, it's a bunch of six-year-olds, you know, being asked to pray. And it always just became a, Lord, thank you for dot, dot, dot. It was every prayer was that. Lord, thank you for, like, crayons. Lord, thank you for storybooks, Lord, thank you for my mum, Lord, thank you for my sister, Lord, thank you that uh, my brother doesn't cry too much when I hit him. No, it, was like, it was all kind of that kind of stuff, but it, just, it was funny the way the kids just instantly went to gratitude. I thought, well, there's something in that, isn't there? And when I, when I have my quiet times in the morning, I have a prayer list of things I'm praying through, but at the top of my prayer list is just thanks. So What do I want to give God thanks for? And I find for me, when I start the morning with thanks, with gratitude of like, God, thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for the good things you've given me. It does something inside of me. Like there's something just, I don't know. It's hard to describe. It is a positive thing happens when I just give God thanks for the good things I have. And um, there's actually research behind this to show that this is actually a thing. This isn't just my little subjective fuzzy feeling in my quiet time. There is real research behind this. There's a guy called Robert Emmons. He's a psychologist who has done loads of research on the topic of gratitude. Now, it's research he's kind of done in the secular world. It's not a Christian thing. But this is what he says. He says this. When I am grateful, I acknowledge that I have received a gift I recognize the value of that gift and I appreciate the intentions of the donor. Gratitude is the acknowledgement of goodness in one's life and it is recognizing that the source of this goodness lies at least partially outside the self. Thanks are directed outward to the giver of gifts. So he's saying gratitude is about giving thanks to the giver of gifts, God. But then he goes on to say this, He says, gratitude is literally one of the few things that can measurably change people's lives. He says, we discovered scientific proof that when people regularly engage in the systematic cultivation of gratitude, like giving thanks in your quiet time, that's not him, that's me, um, they experience a variety of measurable benefits, psychological, physical and interpersonal. So practicing gratitude can improve your health, your life satisfaction, your relationships, people live happier, more fulfilled lives. That's a big thing, isn't it? What he also found his findings also concluded that gratitude is something that can be practiced. Now this next quote is the final one I'm going to quote. I'm not going to quote this guy all day, but this is the final one. He says this, gratitude is a discipline. And there is a difference between people feeling grateful and being grateful. He's saying it's a discipline, it's something that has to be practiced. Basically, most of the participants in this guy's research projects were people who had experienced significant loss or trauma or were experiencing life limiting illnesses. So basically, they were, you know, end of life. And what they found was when they practiced gratitude, they reported measurable benefits by practicing gratitude, even in those challenging circumstances. So basically, when it comes to living a life of prayer, yes, we pray to God in the hard times, but actually cultivating the practice of praying to God and giving thanks to him in the good times, that is massively beneficial to us and massively helpful to us as believers, but also just as people. So can I encourage us to do that? we want to make prayer a way of life, let's give God thanks for the simple things. That cup of coffee, you know, that cup of tea that Anna nicely made for me this morning. You know, let's give thanks to God for the simple things in life. So that's, that's the first thing. Prayer is a way of life. Are you ready for point two? Yes, Anna's ready. Hannah's put her thumbs up. Let's get this over with. Come on, let's go. Um, point two: Prayer is kind of mysterious. Um, like there's a mystery to it. You know those times when it's like I prayed for this and it didn't happen. Why did that not happen? It happened for this person or that. There's a mystery to it. There's a I don't quite get itness to prayer. That's not a word. Don't quite get itness. But you know what I mean? There's something like that. There's there's so much that we don't understand about prayer, like so many questions. You know, I'm sure all of us have questions like that. Like, prayer can be puzzling at times. It can be confusing. It can be frustrating at times. Let's be honest. You know, we can think like, you know, how should we pray? Like, what way should we do it? You know, why do some prayers get answered and others don't? And often in our frustration and our confusion, what we can do is we can look to like techniques or formulas that might make our prayer more effective you know, and sometimes we, we, we can ask ourselves, you know, uh, you know, should I pray with my eyes open or eyes closed? Does one of those make it more effective? Or um, should I pray silent prayers or loud prayers? Or um, should I do formal, very formal prayers? Or just like spontaneous prayers, I'll pray out wherever. Or, or, or should, when we pray, should I lay on hands, you know? You have that thing when you're around someone, should I put a hand on their shoulder no, not? Is that too much? Will, they find out, will this make the prayer more effective? And put the hand, or do I just, just hands by side? Or, you know, what should I do there? Or, or do you ever have the time? Like, depending on what your church tradition is, right, there are two things that happen when someone says, let's pray, okay? Maybe come from a more conservative tradition. Let's pray. yes. You know, it's the butt, head bowed, hands together. Or if you're maybe from a more, I don't know, charismatic person, let's pray. It's like yes, let's pray. You know, do we have? Are we are we mostly this or are we, do we do we know that? We need to test it, don't we? Really, next week, let's pray, see what everyone does. But you can have that kind of like, yeah, what do we do? I mean, you know, some people when praying for healing, you know, they're very much commanding the sickness to leave, you know? You ever seen that? I command you to leave sickness in Jesus' name. You know, it sounds very impressive and a bit like, you know, if I was at sickness, I'd be afraid, you know? It's that kind of thing. Other people, they just kind of pray quietly and kind of ask Jesus, look, would you please heal this person? Like, Elizabeth was saying to me, back when we came to CCM, like 15 years ago, like, we'd come from a pretty conservative church, and in our early years at CCM, she said, look, I thought the reason why I hadn't seen people being healed was because I wasn't commanding the sickness to leave. You know, I wasn't praying in the right way or doing this and I needed a change. You know, and there, there, we there were lots of these things around prayer of like, how do we do it? What's the best way of, all that kind of stuff. And I think in the midst of all these questions, I think the book of James gives us some really helpful principles to follow. Now, these are not like simple equations, okay? Like, do this, plus this, and you will get this. But they are very helpful guidelines. So I'm going to go through it. We've got four principles from the book of James. Are you ready for four principles from the book of James? Anna is. Yes, Hannah is. She's nodding. You had to nod when I pointed you out. But yes, um, we're going to go through these. So prayer principle number one from James. All right. Prayer minus faith doesn't lead to much. All right. Now, I was at a conference this last week, and I met someone who used to go to CCM, and they came to me, and they said, Andy, I'm planting a church. He'd moved to Southampton. I'm planting a church in Southampton. I need a worship leader. Would you pray for us to get a worship leader? And I was like, yeah, man. I, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll pray for you. He's like, Andy, no, I don't just want you to pray. I want you to put, me on, I want you to put it on your prayer list. I was like, you know, I've got a prayer list. It's like, I think i mentioned it in a preacher or something. He's like, yeah, no, you said that stuff happens when you pray on your prayer, put stuff on your prayer list. I was like, all right, yeah, man, I'll, I'll put it on your prayer list. Put it on my prayer list. Now, what I didn't want to tell the guy, and I hope he doesn't listen to this, what I didn't want to tell the guy was like, I haven't actually seen a whole lot of answers of the stuff on my prayer list recently. I have in the past, but not right now. Also, what I didn't want to tell the guy was, I also haven't had a whole lot of faith when I've been praying for stuff recently on the prayer list. I've sort of been like, you know, going through the motions, Lord, can you give me this? You know, it's been a little bit going through the motions. And I remember thinking about that this week and thinking, I wonder, are the two connected? You know, not seeing so much stuff happen and actually just not having much faith in God for stuff. I wonder the two connected. Well, actually, if we look at James, James seems to suggest but they are. James chapter 1, verse 6-7 to seven says this, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. And that, I think, is, is the first prayer principle from James. Prayer minus faith doesn't lead to much. Second prayer principle from James is kind of the opposite to that one. Faith, you got faith, minus prayer doesn't lead to much either. Now, my son Max, who's six, loves Mawam pinballs. Does anybody like Mawam pinballs? The sweet love them. Now, Max has mountain moving faith that I, his dad, always has a stash of Mawam pinballs hidden somewhere, because he knows I love them as much as he does. Now, now does that faith alone get Max a Mawam pinball in his mouth? No, it does not, because one thing I never, ever do is freely offer Mawam pinballs to anybody, okay? Max knows if he wants one, he needs to ask for one. And when he does, I normally give him one. Now, often it goes like this Dad, can I have a pinball? And I'm like, Yeah. So, um, and then as soon as I say, Yeah, he'll be like, No, I mean two pinballs. I was like, All right, go on then. You can have two pinballs. And then when he gets his hand into the bag, he'll be like, I meant three, Dad. I want three pinballs. And normally, I'm like, Just go on, take the three pinballs and go. But you see the principle there? Even if we have really strong faith in God, that in itself doesn't lead to breakthrough until we ask. You know, we need to actually pray to Him and ask. James puts it incredibly simply in chapter four of his letter. I mean, it can't be simpler. He just says this you do not have because you do not ask God. Okay? It's as simple as it comes. So, I don't know, simple question, and you know, you've got to think about this yourselves. Simple question ever are there some things. You maybe don't have because you just haven't asked. Are there, are there some things? That, maybe. I'm just going to throw that one out there and leave that. Now, one of the things I love about James is that he doesn't just talk the talk. He practices what he preaches. Second century historian who would have been around around that time of James, he's called Hegesippus. He tells us this. He tells us that James was in the habit of entering alone into the temple and was frequently found upon his knees begging forgiveness for the people. And as a result, his knees became hard like those of a camel because of the way he constantly bent them in his worship of God in asking forgiveness for the people. Don't you just love that? James developed camel knees by putting his teaching into practice. And he ends this letter encouraging us to do the same, to get on our knees, to pray, to ask, to seek, and to knock. That's what he wants us to do. So that's prayer principle number two. Ready for two more? Yes, you're ready for two more. (laughs) Prayer principle number three. This is an interesting one. Prayer plus faith Minus surrender doesn't lead to much either. Huh. So even if we pray with faith, God may not give us what we ask for. If, we, if he knows, we'll use it badly. You know, like we can come and we can pray for revival, but if our motivation for praying for revival is just to increase our church numbers so that we look good... God may not answer that because we're asking with the wrong motives. Bible commentator Phil Moore, he says this. He says, God won't be party to a narcissistic agenda which seeks to use the church as a means to glorify ourselves. Man, isn't that hard hitting? Makes us question our motives, doesn't it? James chapter 4 verse 3 says, When you ask... You do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives, which is why I think so often it's only when we get to the absolute end of ourselves, when we surrender completely to God, when we're just like, I'm done, I just need you to move in. It's when we get to that point that we often start to see answers to prayer. So that's prayer principle number three. Prayer minus, plus faith minus surrender doesn't lead to much of it. But prayer principle number four, the final one, the big one. Are you ready? You're ready? Yeah, Mark is ready. Yes. Prayer plus faith plus surrender produces breakthrough. And this is the culmination of James's teaching on prayer in the letter which we see in the passage we've just read. Verse 16 says, it's the prayer of the righteous person that is powerful and effective. Those who are saved, who are living as followers of Jesus, their prayers are powerful and effective. It's the prayers of faithful believers who pray earnestly and persistently which sees breakthrough. And which is what we see here with these believers. See, when Paul, the Apostle Paul, arrived in Jerusalem in 57 AD, just after James had written this letter, he found James very excited. He was buzzing, basically because his prayers had been answered. And he, and he, and he exclaims to Paul, he says this in Acts 21, he says, you see, Paul, brother, look how many thousands of Jews have believed in Jesus. His prayers have been answered. And it's no surprise that this little church in Jerusalem grew so much when they devoted themselves so constantly to prayer. You know, someone else who devoted themselves, really devoted themselves to prayer was someone called Jackie Pullinger. Anyone ever heard of Jackie Pullinger? Yeah, a few of you. In 1966, Jackie Pullinger, I think at the age of 22, jumped on a ferry to Hong Kong basically just believing that God had called her there. And she got there, she had $10 to her name, but she just believed God had called her there and she was gonna go and be obedient. And she started some mission work, she started some outreach, she started sharing the gospel, but she saw very little fruit. But things all started to change when she decided she was going to pray every morning for half an hour. And she'd pray in the spirit, she'd pray in tongues, but she'd pray every morning for half an hour. You know, That's surrender, that really is. And after six weeks of doing that, things started to just miraculously change in this really deprived area of Hong Kong that you've been to. There was fruit, there was breakthrough, there were salvations, there were people who were on drugs who just miraculously came off drugs and came to know the Lord. And a brilliant, just mission, you almost might say revival, took place in that place. What does verse 16 say? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So yeah, there's mystery in prayer. We don't, we don't always know in what ways our prayers are effective. You know, sometimes we can pray for a nation and we don't know how God's answered that prayer. We don't know what's changed there. We don't always see the results that we expect to see in prayer. You know, oftentimes we'll pray for something and God will answer the prayer, but in a way we completely did not expect. But even so, I think we can trust that our prayers as believers, they are powerful and effective. So my encouragement is to keep praying. They are powerful and they are effective. Amen? Amen. James ends his letter, and I'm gonna end this sermon with this as well. He ends his letter by talking about Elijah. Elijah the prophet. Now, Elijah was a prophet. He was sent to Israel when it had turned its back. On God, and Elijah changed his nation through prayer. And James says here about this guy: Look, we all know Elijah changed the nation through prayer. But you know what? James was just Elijah was just an ordinary guy like you and me. But he changed his nation through prayer. Much of his ministry was pretty unglamorous, but it was very effective because he prayed. He prayed. So I just want to encourage us as we finish here let's pray. Let's continue to pray for each other. I know you pray every morning for half an hour. You know, I believe God is using that to see real change, to see real good things happen. So I want to encourage us to keep praying Sunday mornings, keep praying for each other, keep praying in community groups. Keep praying for each other when you get in trouble. Keep praying when things are going well. Um, Let's keep praying. Let's pray together in faith. And I believe God is, is gonna work. We're gonna see God work incredibly powerfully.